Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Voices in DevOps, where I'm delighted to be speaking to Nelson Petrochek. Have I pronounced your name right there, Nelson? Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Petrochek, yes, I've been called Petrochek. muscles, so that'll definitely, that'll definitely work for me. <laughs> there you go. I, see, it seems to me the world of DevOps is blessed with people with difficult to pronounce names. So uh, um, every, time, every time I open this thing with, I hope I got that right. Uh, but you more seriously, you're, you're CTO at Tibco, a uh, company of long standing, um, and we're here to talk about DevOps. So, but Tibco, Tibco wouldn't necessarily be known in DevOps. So, why don't you just uh, say a little bit about yourself and, and, and how uh, we got to this point, you got to this point, Tibco got to this point. Uh, where, where are we coming from here? Sure. No, no, absolutely. Happy to, uh, happy to be here and happy to see where uh, this conversation goes. Um, I mean, from a, uh, my standpoint, uh, I started actually life as a developer. And so it's been interesting to watch over the years how the technologies that support development have evolved, but it's also how the practices that support development have evolved as well. So I think uh, we'll probably get into this, of course, with the conversation around DevOps. But, uh, you know, when you look at some of the work that we've been doing, um, both at uh, TIPCO and even in my prior life and so on, it's really evolved to the point where, and, and this has been going on for, for years, but, but people want to do everything faster. They want to do everything, uh, you know, with a higher degree of quality and they want to get business results out to, uh, to the customers again, better, sooner, faster, and so on. And we've definitely seen probably in the last, oh, handful of years, I would say, um, definitely seen a large uptick in that kind of focus. Um, it, it used to be before that, yeah, you put a bunch of developers in a back room, they followed some kind of waterfall model, and six months later, they would eventually produce something. And your your choices of tooling were rather limited. I mean, I remember trying to pick amongst maybe three programming languages at the time, realistically, uh-huh. for building enterprise applications. And now that's, of course, very, very different. And so, you know, this this need for speed and agility and all the supporting technologies around it and what that enables... I've really seen a big shift in that area in terms of how organizations look at this um, over the last you know, handful of years. You know, we're not mm-hmm. talking 20 years. Uh, you know, maybe in the last five-ish, I would say, we've seen a lot of renewed interest, I would say, in, in kind of having this type of capability. So, so at TIPCO, we've seen that as well. TIPCO's been around for over 20 years, um, and we've seen that evolution also. Organizations have gone from hey, I've got a bunch of IT guys in the back, they program some stuff and eventually I'll get some business value out of it to, hey, can we get new services, new capabilities, new business value every hour? And so that's very, very different there's, than there's, what it was in the past. There's two things I want to pick up on there. The, the first is I, I'm scanning your LinkedIn page as, as we speak. So sorry, I'm stalking you here. Uh, <laughs> one thing one thing I notice uh, that really jumps to my attention is your, your education and you actually studied computational science. Uh, and the reason I mention that is because I also studied computational science. So this was before it was even computer science. Mm, yes. Yeah. Did no. You absolutely. Do all the same I mean, stuff I did like logic and stats. And yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Your uh, AND gates and 
exclusive OR gates and how you can wire all those things together. Yeah, yeah, I went through that whole process as well. Absolutely. Kids, kids today, they don't know how to, th- six different ways to, to build a logic gate, do they? The other thing I wanted to, to, well, two things I wanted to pick up on, uh, and I'll say one quick and then I'll say one more more slow. One is that your, your background's in complex event processing and, and then, but obviously, uh, begets uh, IoT and, and and all of that, which I'd really like to get into in the relationship between DevOps and and, and that world. Uh, mm-hmm. The second the second thing is that something you said about the backroom. You mentioned it twice. Uh, I I remember uh, as a counterpoint to what you said. I I remember watching uh, a major large scale waterfall um, project with hundreds of developers onto it. And what sure. I really deeply wanted to do was take a really small number of them and put them in a back room because nothing was getting done in the big project. And I just wanted to say, look, can I just have 10 of you really smart mm. people and take yeah. you away and then you will build something because no one was building something. It was all too big. It was too cumbersome. There yeah, no, and I've, I've been on projects like that. Yeah, I, I first started my career working uh, with a small consulting firm um, they had products and things like that as well. But we, we started working with a uh, police uh, department um, and actually later a fire department as well. And that was very much, the, first of all, maybe maybe the original one of the original issues. Um, the team was just too big. And then what they did was they took a group of us through us in a smaller room and we worked in that room for a while, um, effectively adding capabilities for these particular systems for these projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always fun. Like you get taken into the back room and shown what was uh, confiscated that weekend from a <laughs> police and undercover standpoint. Uh, and then we also lit a monitor on fire back in those days when we were working on the fire project. So, yeah, interesting times. Oh, boy. But, but that's, it, that's even the then, edge. it was around. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, was, it was entertaining. But even then, it was about these, you know, kind of shifting away from those huge waterfall models into these smaller, agile teams. Um, that eventually, somehow magically, in the end, had to bring all the pieces together and get them to work. Right? And and I, so that was some of the pre before you know DevOps before DevOps became cool. I, and I think you're, you're absolutely. It's not necessarily that everyone's striving for DevOps as this kind of oh, got to do better, yeah, new and improved, new and improved. It's that the uh, the old methods really were horrible. <laughs> so, so get me well, away from that world of uh, you know hundreds of people struggling to even deliver one thing and being stuck in meetings. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very true. So I mean, so, you're you know all the tooling and everything. Sorry. Yeah. All the tooling and that is has evolved to and the business of course wants this very agile you know again quick time to market and meet customer demands quickly and everybody expects information now right we're so used to it on the consumer side where we're trying to of course mimic that on the enterprise side wouldn't that be nice uh, and that's exactly where i wanted to go so you've got um your, your job you know uh cto is a kind of uh it, it's a two-way title as far as i'm concerned it's both uh helping internally define architecture and strategy and vision and direction and but from a technical perspective but then it's also liaising with with customers and uh, and helping them deliver on a, some of this stuff is that roughly your role i don't know yeah yeah correct i mean i would say that uh, the way that we structured it at tipco um, the role is very much a field facing role uh, even to the point where I have a, um, a dedicated team, we, we refer to it as Tipco Labs, but it's a dedicated team that 
specifically looks at emerging technology and emerging development practices and helps customers understand where those might fit. So that can be, of course, technologies related to DevOps, but all the other ops that are emerging now. So whether that's uh, AI ops, uh, which is really kind of an extension, but different, uh, whether that's model ops, which is, again, an, an extension, but different. All these other flavors of ops are now emerging. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the work that we do with customers is helping them understand, okay, which ops are you looking at uh, and how are you going to try and, you know, uh, get, not guarantee, but I guess make or help make sure or at least give me the best mechanism by which you can be successful with such practices. So it, it is a lot of what I do. Uh, work with engineering and then bridge engineering to the field and then spend a lot of time with customers helping understand some of these concepts and and technology areas. Which is perfect. So given, uh, even better than than I was hoping. So given the fact you've got that kind of really strong customer focus, if you were to characterize, I know this is, this is an utterly broad question. So bear with me. We, 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 We can, we can, focus it down in a minute but if you were to characterize what makes devops so hard in the enterprise uh if you were if we were talking in a bar i mean it's nine o'clock in the morning for you so we best not get the beer out just yet <laughs> but, nothing that i'll miss you anyway <laughs> in the end no, yeah it's just between us no no one no one no one will hear uh if if you were to characterize the the kind of you know the the, the burrito principle of devops what what What's the twenty percent of the the problem that's affecting eighty percent of the people out there? What would you say? Uh, I would say that for, uh, first thing I'm going to say is what it's not. It's not the technology. I mean, yes, you need to understand that supporting technology, you need to get trained on a technology, you need to figure out how to adopt it, and so on. But in many cases, I see the majority of the challenge is either based on organizational structure or which which can also include culture, um, or just uh, expectations. So everybody hears about DevOps and how much money it can save and how fast you can deploy software and you can get new features out in 2.5 minutes and you know everything like that. And then when that doesn't happen, then there's this big wall. What's happening and it must be broken and it, you know they blame the technology, they blame this, blame that, and so on. When the other you know they're not even sure even how to measure it. So how do you know how successful you were if you weren't measuring it in the first place? And just because you weren't getting these new features out every 2.5 minutes, what, you know, what was that? Maybe that is successful. You don't know. So I think it's uh, some of the technology, absolutely. But a lot of it is just organizational structure, culture, and expectations. And you mentioned measurement there. Um, is, that, is that part of that or is that a separate thing? Um, I think it's related. I think it. In some cases, people forget that you don't just bring new technology in and even if you come up with the latest and greatest way of using it and so on, if you can't measure how well that technology is helping you, what is the the value you're getting out of that technology, how well is the process working for you, and if you don't continuously measure and evaluate, you you can't just bring the technology in, come up with a process and say, yes, that works and I'm done. It's a continuous process. So it, it's related. It's related to expectations. It's related to the way the organization is structured. It's, it's related to the priorities that are placed in this particular area and even just how people expect it to be within their organization. Uh, it, it, you know, people forget about the measurement part and how that measurement has to feed back into the overall process. 
it's a continuous process. You always want to be trying to make it better and just doing it once and saying, yep, that worked. I'm good. That's the way I'm going to do it. I'm not going to spend any more time on it is actually the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an interesting one, because I, I wouldn't normally do uh, this on a podcast because we, we, tr- we try to avoid talking about products or uh, vendor offerings or, or whatever, but largely because most of the organizations I speak to are actually purveyors of, uh, for want of a grouping, DevOps automation software. Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, any any time that you kind of go into that kind of space, you you, you, it's the chicken and egg of kind of solution looking for problem. It's what do you think of the problems, Mister Testing Guy? Oh, I think they're all about test automation. Say the test automation company, etc. Uh, but but if I'm right, you as Tipco is, is a purveyor of uh, architectural solutions. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, integration solutions, uh, uh, everything, analytics, everything that you do, um, right. but not. It's so DevOps is a is kind of a hindrance to you to deliver what you're trying to do, but you're not trying to deliver against DevOps, if that makes sense. Um, so the question I'm going to ask, uh, if that does make sense, is so how does it manifest itself to you? Is it that people are, is it that organisations are just less well able to to solve the problems they're trying to solve? Um, do you have a difficulties uh, of communication do you um uh, are they are they having challenges uh, scaling what they're trying to do how, how does it manifest in in terms of um consequences um yeah, so let me see if i understand the question right here You're, uh, in terms of how <laughs> yeah go ahead no, <laughs> i'll give you my I interpretation was, i was waffling on so uh, <laughs> when you say uh, well that was a rubbish question let this this is what you're no, I mean, it's, so when you look at it, yeah, I mean, we don't, from a typical standpoint, we don't offer a, you know, DevOps package, if you will. I mean, our goal is to always keep everything open and make sure that we can fit into or plug into the variety of different DevOps techniques that are out there. So that's just a philosophy of ours, make the platform open, give you the right APIs and hooks to enable you to run a DevOps process, whatever that might mean for you, because it's going to be different for different organizations, of course. Uh, and and keep it that way, right? So we're not trying to lock or keep people restricted into one way of doing it, right? Do it the way you need to do it. Do it consistently across your organization, not just in one or two places. Uh, and that's going to help you be successful. So that's that's the way we approach it. And so normally what you find is you need to, again, balance the technology side, um, picking the right tool set and picking the right tool set for the proper stage and overall DevOps process. And we find that that applies both on the integration or interconnect side of our business, as well as on the analytics side of our business. So whether you're looking to develop some microservices and deploy those quickly, rapidly, you know, sooner, faster, better, all those kinds of buzzwords, or whether you're trying to understand, you know, hey, I've got this analytical model. How do I get the data for it? How do I do my data prep, data wrangling? How do I deploy my model? How do I test my model? How do I then monitor the model uh, as it's running in an operational context and production? And then again, how do I turn that into a, you know, a consistent and repeatable feedback loop? Um, we, we, so we find those kinds of capabilities are required across all of our different sides of the business. And again, whether it's connecting stuff, moving stuff, creating APIs, or whether it's making stuff smarter, stuff being the technical term here in, in this particular context. But, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the idea. So we do see that all over. Um, and so a lot of the work that we do is, you know, how do we 
enable organizations to plug our capabilities into their process to, again, create this end-to-end uh, automation mechanism where automation is part of a DevOps practice. Um, but how do I make that overall mechanism you know, smoother, faster, so I can roll out these capabilities as I need to? So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, yep. that's a lot of what we see, again, across the span of the capabilities that we provide. I, I thank you for uh, uh, framing things better than I did. And I'm thinking, given that you are agnostic to the process, I mean, you could have waterfall. You wouldn't care. You're, you're trying to Correct. provide certain things. What, therefore, you're unbiased in terms of the challenges that DevOps uh, causes both your customers and yourselves. And you're there trying to provide analytics. But if DevOps is getting in the way, how how does it manifest itself? What 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 are the challenges that? Uh, so, yeah, sure, it's organizational structure, it's culture, et cetera, et cetera. What does that mean? Does sure. it, it's all running slow. Does it mean nothing ever happens? Hmm. Does it mean mm-hmm. uh, delivery suboptimal? Does it mean quality? What does it mean? Right. Yeah, and it's usually uh, you, you answered half the question for me, but it usually is a lot of those items. Absolutely. I mean, it's usually the uh, lack of speed. So you're not seeing the speed or you're only seeing the speed in a particular subset of the end-to-end process. And normally that's either because the teams aren't configured properly. So you're treating each function within an overall DevOps process as a silo or the development teams don't have a DevOps person plugged into the team. And so you'll normally see that there will be, and if you're measuring things properly, which goes back to our original discussion around metrics and measurement, but if you are measuring things properly, you'll soon see that. Everything is fast, and then all of a sudden, boom, at this point, it becomes slow. And the question is, well, why is that? Um, I've heard the term, you know, water scrum fall and things like this, where part of the overall process is agile and part of the overall DevOps pipeline is automated. And there is a team and there is integration between teams and so on up until this point. And then from this point forward, it becomes waterfall. And so you've introduced that bottleneck and you'll see it then as a, as a lack of speed, if you will. Um, you also see it in things like just an overall lack of quality. So you will have situations where if you, know, you want to deploy faster, 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 but the quality is going down, 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 down. And so that can also manifest or be able to be an indicator of a problem with your overall DevOps uh, process. Uh, things like lack of training, you know, people will, you, I've seen very, very cool spider webs of DevOps tooling. And this tool calls that tool and this other tool then calls this other tool. And when the moon is full, it all works properly. But other than that, there's the DevOps pipeline itself breaks because it's all kind of bundled together in these weird and wild ways. So you can even take the technology and turn that into a spider web of complexity. And as a result, your overall DevOps process will be impacted. Um, Security is another big one. I'll mention that as kind of the final one. I, I could kind of go on and on, I think, with some of these, but mm-hmm. security is also a big one. You, know, you need to be able to make sure that you're baking security into every point within the DevOps process that you need to. And so whether that's doing vulnerability checks or looking for scans in the code to make sure you're not doing anything evil or bad, like putting passwords in the code or whatever, um, you know, that, that also has to be a, a primary part of the overall process and not an add-on. Um, normally what happens is you go through the whole process and then somebody at the very end goes, well, what about security? And then they tack on the pieces at the end and that's not going to be as efficient as if you thought about it at the beginning. 
I'm I'm nodding, uh, which no one can see. Obviously, I'm not, not nodding sagely. <laughs> and it reminds me, we did some research earlier in the year, and uh, uh, one of the main reasons, or the, it was one of those questions where you could say yes to whichever answers you liked. So it's not kind of the reason above all others. It's just the reason that everyone cited uh, more than. Uh, all the other reasons uh, was the reason that people start doing DevOps in the first place is uh, to increase quality, which which strikes right. me is really interesting. I just want to do better stuff, you know. Um, sure. And then the re the thing that uh, was the biggest issue uh, above all others was just it was more expensive than expected. So mm, yeah, I think which all of those things that you're saying can bundle together in. We're just not as achieving as much as we thought we would at the price that we're having to pay. If right. The value is yeah. not as high yeah. as it should be. Right. Yeah, I do see that. I mean, I see cases where people start off with a DevOps process saying it'll increase our innovation, it'll allow us to respond to customer demand faster, roll out new features to make them, you know, make the customers happier and so on. And what happens is, is that they say, oh, okay, yep, that worked. We were innovative. Now we need to cut the cost by 50%. It's like, well, <laughs> that's, how do you balance those expectations around, well, do you really, you know, do you want to be innovative and create all these new things sooner, faster, better, as I keep saying, or is it really for cost reduction, which I need to take a different approach? And uh, how do I overcome legacy is the other part that people often forget. You know, if I'm going to establish a DevOps process. So what's the core part of that process? Well, it's my mainframe. Well, uh, do you know how that's going to work then as a result? So then, you know, some of those things also come into play as well. People forget that some of these older technologies were never originally designed to operate in that fashion. And so that's going to increase the cost until you sort that out, whether it's through additional APIs or interfaces or whatever, as an example. So those kinds of things people forget about. They just think you can take these tools, plug them in, somehow automate the process, write some scripts, and you're done. And forgetting that you've got all the legacy that you've kind of brought with you over the last you know, 10, 20, 30 plus years, uh, you, you need to be able to account for that and then also be able to resolve that before you're going to see a lot of the benefits potentially from a DevOps pipeline. So yeah, definitely the costs may or may not be what you expect them to be. And, in, and again, goes back to measurement. How do you know what those were and how do you allocate the cost to the appropriate part? So yeah, definitely agree. I think back back in the day, I mean, it's interesting actually. It, it, it's like um, I I don't want to just cite Gartner here because I think it's it's the the trick of every analyst house. So I'll include us in this as well. Um, that we're great at making predictions, but we never never go back and say uh, whether or not those predictions came true. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we, I think we, too, we all we all tend to have that kind of. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> but moving swiftly on from that one, and yeah, undermining my entire industry. Um, the um, uh, I am wondering whether there's a kind of very very quick sort of aside before we get on to how do you then uh, speak to your customers about improving these things. Um, I wonder whether within that better, faster discussion that we have as humans we have an intrinsic assumption that it's therefore going to be if it's faster it must be cheaper and mm -hmm. we don't need to mention it up front but then we get disappointed afterwards and go actually right. that it didn't quite pan out did it and you go why not well it was more expensive but we never talked about it being more expensive being cheaper yeah but it should have been cheaper shouldn't it i wonder if that's going on 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you would see some of that. I mean, again, uh, people have a certain expectation set going into these types of technology areas. And they hear, you know, their peers are doing it or other companies have done it. They hear things on the Internet. They read this blog. Uh, you know, that sometimes paints a uh, almost like a false um, set of expectations that people try and match and they they feel they can achieve that in a you know, six week time span. Mm. And in some cases you can, it, it really depends on again, your organization and what area you've picked to uh, apply this particular practice towards, uh, you know, so it, it can happen, but people do sort of, I think again, based on hype maybe or what they've read or what their peers are doing and have achieved and so on. Um, but forgetting about how that applies to their organization and not every organization is the same. So, how does that apply to your organization? What are you trying to achieve? What are the metrics that are important to you? Um, and what is the business trying to achieve? And those are the kinds of things that you also need to look at, right? Not just that I was able to check this code out and compile it and push it out into a container and take that to the cloud faster. Yes, yeah. that's part of it, but that's not the only part. How many deliveries a day? Well, yeah, but does it matter if the deliveries are, uh, are any good? Right. I, I, by the way, I'm reminded the other thing I wanted to pick up on that you said earlier, which I think is, is really important, so I want to mention it for the for the record. Uh, you characterized it, and I hadn't heard the term before, of water scrum fall, which I love. Um, where, <laughs> I've, where I've um, spent a lot of time concentrating on and talking to people about is the notion of bottlenecks where you've got an agile process and it's all mostly agile and yet i don't know testing is kind of causing a, a build-up of slowness within right. and that's the the principle kind of behind value stream management where you're looking for those bottlenecks and then addressing them uh, in terms of efficiency and then also the other part of value stream management is you know the master classes are turning into business value but what you were saying uh, and if I may, I'm, I'm reminded back to my computational science days where one thing you could do is think about electrons moving forward through the wire in order to deliver whatever um, race condition they were, they were uh, capable of. Uh, but the other thing is to think of the holes moving backwards. And so when you're thinking about, when I was thinking about bottlenecks, the water scrum fall thing is, what if everything's a bottleneck and only pockets of it are the fast moving bits? <laughs> which is actually thinking about it, it's more likely to be a scenario in many organizations. Yeah, well, we're really good at this stuff there, right. there, and there. And the rest of it, like most of it is not very good. Right. Do, you see, do right. you see that? Yeah. Yeah. You do see that. I mean, and your example around testing is probably the one that I see the most. So people understand how to set up agile development teams, but, then everything tends to funnel into the testing team. But if you set up, I don't pick a number, 5, 10, 15 agile development teams, and they're all funneling into the same testing team, well, your testing team only has so much bandwidth. So then stuff starts to kind of funnel into a almost a sequential sort of pipeline fashion. And then that particular, and I'm not saying that the testing team is bad, I'm just saying that they're overworked and they're not set up to mimic what the agile development teams are doing. So, and, that, and the testing part is not as automated as it could be as part of the development process. And so that's a very common occurrence. And some people say, well, yes, but I need that because I need the control and I need this, uh, this check in place for regulatory uh, uh, reasons. And so in some cases there are 
valid reasons as to why you potentially set things up that way. Uh, but in many cases, people just kind of don't don't carry that whole thought process end to end. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know if it's an oversight or it's just people realize that the, the dev part is not just development. It's actually end-to-end. It includes testing, it includes security, it includes all the operations, all these things. And so you need to construct your teams to match that. And uh, so, yeah, that's where I think water scrum fall comes into play where everything's yeah. agile, and boom, you get to testing and now it's waterfall and everything has, has to flow through is almost like a single threaded stream. And that's the biggest criticism I have on the uh, about the term DevOps, by the way, is the fact that actually it should be dev test, deploy, sec, AI, yes. <laughs> manage, that's right. biz yeah. thing. It would not roll off the tongue nearly as coolly as, uh, as DevOps does, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the other, the other thing, I, I, want, I want to just put this out there. I want to say for the record, we love test engineers. I used to share an office with test engineers, and given the fact that they're literally... I mean, we think our problem in life is that sometimes things go wrong. The test, the life of a test engineer is things are going wrong all the time, deliberately. Right. You pretty right. right. To, to live yeah. No, it's a science, magic science in itself, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So all of that in mind, you're talking to your organizations, you're talking to your customers, uh, you're talking at all levels uh, from uh, direct uh frontline to, to very, very senior, and you have the opportunity to say, this is how to make a difference here. This is what to do. What? How do you approach these conversations uh, and what, what do you tell people? Right. I mean, it's important, of course, to understand where they're starting from or the organization is starting from. Where, where are they at? What is their current structure? How do they support the overall development process? You know, what does it look like today? It's important to understand that initially. You need to understand where you're coming from. Then it's important to get the key stakeholders into a room and just discuss the opportunity. Right? And the opportunity, you, know, you're not, you don't need to call it DevOps day one, you know, those kinds of things. Um, this is just more, you know, what, what is the business trying to achieve? Right. And, and normally, you know, obviously, get their their goals and the capabilities that they're trying to bring forward for their current fiscal year planning, you know, things like that. So you need representatives from the business. You know, what are you trying to achieve? How are you trying to achieve it? What are the time frames by which you're trying to achieve it? And then you need, obviously, representatives from different aspects of IT. So it's not just the developers. It's not just the testing team. It's also operations, it's security, and so on, as we've talked about. So you almost need to have some sort of workshop and get everyone on a, a common understanding of the realistic capabilities versus the hype, first of all, and understanding of what is, what, what is happening today, because not everybody in the organization tends to understand that. You know, code gets thrown over there and magic stuff happens and I get a result and it's never fast enough for me, but I don't understand why. And you know, so those kinds of things you need to try and resolve. I get a, get a common set of understanding and a core basis of what you can build upon. They need to understand, okay, well, how am I going to fill that gap? You know, I want to be way up here. I'm currently down here. So what are the steps I need in order to bridge that, that gap? And then I always say, you know, start with something small and pilot it. Right? There's plenty of open source technologies out there. Let's pick the ones that are best going to fit into your environment. And if you know, they, they turn out to not be the right ones or one of them is not the right one or whatever, that'll come out as part of the pilot. And that's not the end of the world, right? We, there's choices out there. We can then pick a new one and, and kind of go from there. But take a small team, 
mix it with or, or create a mix of different people, uh, pilot a small project and measure the results right? and then see what went well. And also, and more importantly, in some cases, see what did not go well. And there's no blame. Right? You're just looking to make sure that people understand, okay, this, this is a learning experience. Here's what went well. Here's what didn't. Here's what we need to change. Let's go ahead, tweak that part. Let's try it again. Right? And eventually from there, they can maybe become the experts, if you will. And then you can kind of farm those experts out to different teams and now start to seed those other teams with that, that experience and that knowledge gained. And you can kind of grow it from there. Um, you're also going to need to support, of course, for management. You need to potentially change things like org structures and the way the teams are managed and mixed and so on and so forth. But, you, you know, you, you got to go back to the beginning. Where are you going? Where are you starting from? Where are you going? Get that buy-in that's a mixture of different groups, not just IT, and start small, uh-huh. incrementally build. So I mean, don't expect that, magic from, you know, overnight. That That's an excellent five-stage plan, and uh, I, I think that it's, it's a wonderful place to be. What do you do with organizations? So, if you are talking, let's say, is it the CEO? I don't know. Is it, or is it is it just within IT? Um, what do you do when the person, the very person who needs to get in with this game, doesn't get it? Mm. If that makes sense, you literally yeah. realize yeah. that key stakeholder is not a, a part of the solution. They're part of the problem. Right. Yeah, you, you need to understand, uh, try and get an understanding as to why, of course, that, that's going to be the first obvious uh, answer to that question, I guess. But having an understanding of what their background is, what their thoughts are, what their objections are, um, are, of course, important to understand. You, you're not just going to say, oh, well, they, they hate DevOps, so we're you know, just not going to understand or talk to that person. <laughs> it's, that's, that's not going to work. So in some cases... It's very much uh, a show me, right? Maybe they've been burnt in the past by some of these practices. Um, you know, maybe whatever the latest, coolest term, you know, three, four years ago, uh, which had the same set of promises as what they're hearing about DevOps. You know, those didn't really work out. Uh, the individuals been burnt by that in the past. And so they're very wary and skeptical about, you know, the latest and greatest set of buzzwords, right? And so in many cases, it's more of a, almost like a, Skunkworks type innovation-y sort of project where you can demonstrate, here's where we were before with this small project. Here's what we can do now. Uh, here's the benefits. I, I instrumented everything. So here's the metrics, right? If they're a numbers guy, uh, those are the kinds of things that I find can be helpful. Uh, show it, right? Hopefully at least you can get the buy-in enough to the point where you can demonstrate it and show it. Um, and you know, in some cases, it's got to be driven by the business. And the only way you're going to achieve what the business is asking for is if you apply a lot of DevOps techniques that we've talked about and right, around automation uh, and uh, again, the end to end approach and so on. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a mixture. Some of the cases it's just, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but it can, you know, there's, there are a set of business objectives that have to be met and you need to show that individual that this type of practice, this technique, first of all, doesn't require me to completely rebuild everything I've ever done it's very uh, pluggable into my existing environment. I don't have to stop all other development while I'm doing this, right? I can incrementally add these capabilities and get incremental value. And by showing the results of this small project that was done, you know, here's the, here's the actual value. Here's the numbers. We measured it, right? It went from three months on their 
prior project to even three weeks. You know, I have a huge benefit there. So um, those are the kinds of things I find can be effective. That, that's great. And, and I think I think that's a great moment to wrap up. But before we do, um, I just want to capture what you're saying there, because within what you're saying, you, there's a very important element, which is, I can't remember your exact words, but don't leave them behind. So if you haven't got a senior mm-hmm. stakeholder that, uh, uh, that wants to do this, or if you have got a senior stakeholder that doesn't want to do this, you can't just say, oh, well, we'll get on anyway. You've got to... Right. You've one way or another. You've got to get that group on board, and right. so the the whole job is selling to them. It's uh, as you say, it's show don't tell, and there's almost an earning the right to scale in there right. from the right. top down. Don't just get as yep. far as you can and then go. Ah, oh, now we need to get the head of security in. Uh, right. Yeah. No. Definitely. It, it's it's a lot easier to get the all all the different stakeholders engaged earlier rather than pull one guy in at the end and go, oh, yeah, well, we forgot. We got to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to go over so well because chances are you're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning and redo a lot of the stuff that you just did. So it's a lot easier. to, You know, it may seem more difficult initially. You know, normally you just want to say, oh, yeah, no, we're just going to go ahead and do this because otherwise we're going to be slowed down. But you have a greater chance of being slowed down at the end than you do if you'd actually waited and brought that person on board at the beginning. Bingo. That, that's fantastic. I, I'm going to wrap up there. I, I think that's a, that's a great last word. So uh, I'm just going to say thank you very much, Nelson, for, for that fantastic insight. Thank you to our listeners for, for uh, uh, listen, listening and, and contributing and setting the direction of this podcast. Uh, but most, most of all, thank you to you, Nelson. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. No, I enjoyed the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in DevOps, please check out the other ones. Scaling DevOps for the Enterprise is the focus of a recent report John wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how digital transformation is evolving, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on IT operations and business strategies.